Do you share our obsession with everything skincare? On the Seasonal Skin Collective podcast, we will do a deep dive into the world of skincare, health, and wellness. My name is Allison, and I am the founder of Seasonal Skin Collective, a seasonal skincare box focused on clean, ethically made products that are tailored to what the skin craves with the arrival of each new season. Join us bi-weekly for tips and tricks from industry experts, inspiring words and advice from brand founders, and guidance on how to maximize your health and wellness from the inside out. Learn something new, discover amazing brands, and get ready for many great skin days ahead. I have to really talk to myself, reminding myself that I'm not the only person who can take care of him and that this is my time and I need to take care of me because if I don't, I won't be the best person for him in a few hours when he's really going to need me. Welcome to episode number two of the Seasonal Skin Collective podcast. I'm here today with my dear friend, McMillan James, a registered psychologist and most recently brand new mama to Mr. York James. And we are here today to address the challenges moms, especially new moms face when finding that balance between becoming a caregiver and caring for yourself. Mick, thank you for being here today. Hi, I'm excited to be here. First time podcaster. Popping my cherry. (laughs) Second time podcaster over here. Um, And yeah, we are definitely ticking off one of the boxes in self-care tonight by um, having a glass of wine and giving you a couple hours away from Mr. Yorkie. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just tell us a little about the challenges you've had so far and new mom life. How are things going? Oh my gosh, I feel like there's so much to tell. Um... Even just having this glass of wine, I feel like my tolerance is so low. So I apologize if I if I go off the cuff a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've been a mom, a brand new mom for four and a half weeks. It'll be five weeks on Tuesday. And as a new mom, I count every single day and minute that I'm a new mom. And it's just turned my whole world around. So there's, there's so much to tell because my life does not resemble anything of what it did prior to York coming into this world. So where should I begin? I mean, well, um, first, let's just talk a little bit about your background before York. So your background in mental health, what drove you into that field? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, I've been in the mental health field for quite some time. God, it's 2021. I'm 31 years old. I got into it when I was 19. I originally got into it just because it felt like the right thing to do. I, when I thought of post-secondary, nothing else came to mind. I didn't really have an interest in anything other than psychology. I was always interested in what the mind did and how it worked. And it just felt right. I don't know if I really gave it too much of a thought because it just felt so organic to go into the field of psychology. So I originally started and got my undergrad at Mount Royal University. I think I had a week off in between my undergrad and my graduate studies um, because I found a program that I was really um, interested in and it had a bit of a transpersonal spin on psychology which I found was really interesting. So there was a program, it's in the Masters of Education and Counseling Psychology with an addiction spin. So something about that was really interesting to me so I really just just decided, okay, I need to make a move from Calgary and move to Lethbridge and then um, started my grad studies, which is kind of where I started exploring therapy in a deeper sense 
focusing less on psychology in the broader sense because it's quite science focused, a lot of statistics in my undergrad um, and focusing more on a niche of um, honing in on my therapeutic skills. I also did my thesis, which focused on athletic retirement. I decided to do that just because of my background in sport. So that's kind of where I started. And then unfortunately in psychology, which they don't tell you when you first get into this field, is that um, if you do get into it, you've got a long road ahead. So following my master's, I ended up having to get registered as a psychologist. So another two years of doing um, supervision and then doing a test, a few tests, an oral exam and then a, a written exam brought me to my um, my final declaration as a registered psychologist. So I've been practicing for as a registered psychologist now for um, about two years and loving it. But now I have a little baby, so I'm now on maternity <laughs> leave. So life keeps changing every time I, I take a new adventure. It's it's always changing. Well, and that, and since I've known you, you've never really stopped. So now, um, having gone on mat leave, your professional side has come to a bit of a halt, but now you've got all these new challenges coming in at you. But what's it like now for such a, a student in some ways? You've been so, for mm-hmm. so long, you've been studying and working towards um, your professional goals and now to put that kind of on the back burner and move into life with York. How has that been for you having always been kind of an education driven and professionally motivated person? Yeah, I think that's, it's such a different side of me. I would say that my professional and my education side is more of my masculine energy. I feel like a lot of it has been driven by needing to achieve and accomplish different things. I feel like now, even since I got pregnant, I think is when I started to soften more to femininity, which is really something that I haven't tapped into in a very long time, just because it didn't serve me as much, right, in my education and in my professional world. I I didn't really take care of myself the way I feel like um, I should have been because I was so focused on just getting to the next um, accomplishment and, and pursuing Um, my end goal of becoming a a psychologist, right? So for me now, having that put on halt has been really, it's been really enjoyable uh, and uncomfortable in some settings too, because for me to just kind of kick back and not be in that hustle and bustle of just trying to keep um, pursuing my own professional goals. It's been really nice to kind of soften into this maternal world of being York's mom and taking care of my taking care of myself as I kind of navigate this whole postnatal journey. It's been kind of nice. That's well that's good. That is a good change then. And you know what we do want to talk about is self-care today and self-care has become a very mainstream topic and it often gets confused with just kind of the fluffy surroundings of it, like having a bubble bath, having a glass of wine, like lighting some candles. And it goes so much deeper than that. And from a mental health standpoint, how can you describe self-care and how it contributes to our overall well-being? I think that's such a good question because I feel like it has, self-care has the connotation of being almost trendy and Um, superficial, 
when I went through my postnatal and I'm still going through it, I know some of us refer to it as like a fourth trimester. It really was humbling to see how much I had no idea what life was going to be like post baby. And I have a great deal of knowledge given my background around, you know, postnatal when we're looking at uh, depression or we're looking at anxiety. Um, I have postpartum experience and all that when it comes to professional Macmillan. But in terms of my own experience, I was really humbled by just, you know, what my body was going to go through. I didn't know how long it would take my body to recover. And then also even just for my hormones to to normalize. I, I still don't even know if they they have totally because I still feel like um, I'm still healing it and it's only been four and a half weeks but it was a really vulnerable and even though I'd read all the books something I couldn't have totally prepared for it went much deeper than just a bubble bath could have fixed no for sure and that is something I think I mean women struggle with it more than anyone to begin with of you always take care of somebody else before you take care of yourself. And um, another problem when it comes to self-care and like the stigma surrounding that, like you say, it's it's kind of superficial. Like you feel kind of guilty about it. You always feel like you should be doing something else. Like you could be spending your time mm-hmm. a little more productively or, you know, I don't have time to sit down and read my favorite book. I should be, you know, cleaning up the kitchen or I'm so behind on laundry or you know, I should be with baby 120% of the time. Like there is that guilt creeping in on you all the time. How do you separate those two things and still remember that you do have to come first before you can give the best part of you to somebody else, even your baby? Like you still need to make sure you're well first. Yeah, I think anyone who's in psychology knows of like Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? And we start at like the very basics for our survival. If our basic needs aren't met, we can't move up to other levels, whether that's levels of self-improvement. We can't get up there, our basic housing or food or water, shelter, right? All those basic needs aren't met. I think that fits so much for being just a new mom. You know, that need to take care of other people is such a strong, I I don't want to call it an instinct because an instinct would mean that it's been an innate driving us where I think it's actually been a societal pressure that's been reinforced. So I think we've been encouraged to take care of other people's needs versus our own at first. But for me, I noticed I don't operate well on sleep. And if any new mom knows, you don't get a lot of sleep. And so it's much, it's, it's hard to look at, you know, the mess around your house and prioritize sleep first is really hard. It's like I fight it to not go and do the laundry or be with my baby. Uh, The pull towards my bed is not natural, but I know that if I don't get my sleep, if I don't prioritize those, just those basic needs that I can't be there for my baby and I can't be there for just myself. And so, and I don't think, I think that's unique to women. I don't think men experience that same level of pull towards, you know, just the domestic task or, or things where serving our basic needs can be such an unnatural thing at first to just, you know, lay down for a nap. And everyone always says sleep will baby sleeping. Well, any mom, I don't know. I laugh at that because like, great. Yeah. But you have to pump or you have to clean your pumping materials and you have to, you know, make sure there's food in the fridge. And oh, by the way, you have to eat because you burn so many calories and you're exhausted and you're hungry. 
Um, oh, and then clean your sheets, right? Because you haven't cleaned your sheets in a week or two. And it's so much easier said than just sleep when the baby sleeps. It's very hard. So you have to be very intentional in serving your needs first. Yeah, it, it would be something that doesn't come naturally. And you do have to make an effort to do so. And, you know, something that kind of comes to mind when you're, when you're speaking on that is um, time batching. That's oh, something, yeah. you know, that's something I've been trying to do for myself just to better manage my time. And I'm like, in, when it comes to motherhood, you almost have to time batch self-care. It sounds really simple, but it like, it's really not. And yeah, it's hard to do. It's not natural for, for me. I know how our home life works is that when my husband comes home late at night, like when he gets home from work at night, he will take care of the baby. And so that's my time when I can go and shower or, you know, get ready for bed because I got to be up in a little bit to feed him or, or what have you. So when I do go and take that time for myself and I hear, you know, you're crying, I have to really talk to myself, reminding myself that I'm not the only person who can take care of him and that this is my time and I need to take care of me because if I don't, I won't be the best person for him in a few hours when he's really going to need me. And so it's really important that I do allow someone else to show up for him so that I can show up for myself. And, and it's, and it's really hard, but I know that we all benefit when we take ownership of our own self-care. Absolutely. No. And if there was one simple piece of advice you could give to other moms who are struggling to find that balance. Or is there one thing that you would suggest to other women to do in order to prioritize a little bit of self-care in their life? Is there something that you've come across so far? Yeah. I mean, it's four and a half weeks, so I'm not an expert (laughs) by any means, but I, I've been given incredible advice from women who have come before me. And one individual told me, you know, really encourage the relationship with your baby and the dad so that that they can bond. I think that, again, that can sometimes feel for a mom like, oh, like I'm the one who provides the the milk and, you know, this babe's been with me in my belly for nine months and um, I, I'm his number one. But the more that I really empower my husband to take on that role, the more I give myself permission to take care of myself. And so this has been something that I've had to be very conscious of because in all my roles as like uh, going through school and going through my own professional development, I've always, it's been very natural for me to take over Um, group projects. I hated, I would just take (laughs) them over. Right. Because that's my natural tendency is just, I'll just do it and I'll handle it and get it done. That's really how I typically operate. And so for me, that advice was really, Um, something I took to heart because I could see how I have limited resources within myself. And so I really wanted this to be a long game and not just burnout. So yeah, so really empower that and and even reach out for help. Yeah, I have great in-laws and I have great um, parents and brothers who are more, more than willing to help out. So to really encourage those relationships, I know it's a little awkward right now with COVID, but you don't need to have a one man show. I think women, we tend to derive a lot of our worth from just being able to do it all. And I don't mm-hmm. think we need to. Yeah. And that, that's, that's a really good point. Women have always been 
it's almost this expectation that you should be able to do it all yourself and mm-hmm. we're praised on being able to do so. And like a lot of times women are doing everything and burning themselves out, but they get rewarded for that in like, oh, well, she's a great mom because she's just doing it. She's just, she doesn't complain. She's doing it all by herself. And I mean, you know, if that is your situation and you rise to that occasion, then all the power to you, but like asking for help is not a weakness. And it's surprising how in this day and age, it's still the expectation that, you know, women step up and do that. But like you said, it's, it's so great to like bring your partner in and make them feel part of the team Mm -hmm. and like, let them feel comfortable from day one being an equal part of that. And like, I, you know, you'd be surprised how many partners want to do that, but they just don't feel like they have the ability to, you know, jump in and, be as in control and be number one as well. Like it should be a team effort and, you know, you shouldn't be afraid to distribute and delegate the Mm -hmm. tasks and (laughs) split it down the middle and let everybody have, have that time. Right. And it it is equally beneficial that way. And, and uh, you do not have to do it all by yourself and it's going to be better in the end. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And you know, that bond, I know my husband's really wanted to have that bond with our son. And Mm so for me to really encourage and, and, and say like, not critique his parenting style, but really, really encourage it has been really in my front of my mind. Right. And then I can go and do things for myself. I, I've really pulled on, um, journaling, which is something I really started to pick up when I was pregnant, just cause I wanted to remember what it was like to be pregnant and, um, this being a really sacred time that I would, you know, only experience a couple, maybe a couple times in my life. So I've carried that through since he's been born to really take time to just see and check in with myself. How am I doing? I know postpartum is really a big thing. So I'm aware and we have the greatest health resources um, here in Alberta where our nurses are checking in with us and always screening us and as is our my doctor which i think is really really good but i also want to be on top of it myself to check in with how am i doing and uh am i feeling depleted um, uh, do i need replenishment and how do i need what do i need to do in order to get that so journaling is something i've really um taken to heart since he's been born and it doesn't need to be anything um extreme or, or anything. It can be point form. (laughs) It can be point form. It can be like just jotting down a few sentences. Um, just the act of sitting down and giving myself a moment, whether I write a sentence or whether I write a few paragraphs is still acknowledging to myself that I'm important and that I care about how I'm feeling. When you put pen to paper, you can't hide from it, right? Like, and you have to confront yourself whether you're feeling really joyful as a mom or feeling really sad as a mom that day. And I think there's a lot of pressure to be like, oh my gosh, this new motherhood, you must be loving it. And to be honest, like this last four and a half weeks has been the hardest and most beautiful all at the same time. And I think being able to write about feeling so exhausted and, you know, angry that my nipples are falling off and, (laughs) and, you know, just the whole, the whole gamut of like what my body's gone through. I feel like to me, that's, it's, it's given some space for me to feel 
happy, sad, mm -hmm. angry, incredibly elated and grateful for this little being in my life. The whole host of emotions, which I think is really, really important. And I think my background has fostered that because I fostered it within my clients too and encouraged it. And it's a good reminder that any life transition that you go through, it's going to challenge you in different ways. And you, you can't, there's nothing I could have prepared for. No degree or master's could have prepared me for this experience. And it's, yeah, it's really been humbling. Um, little, little bits of certainty, I think, that we can provide ourselves with like, I'm just coming to that um, journal or just having my morning coffee is, is really soothing and really grounding. That's kind of what I've been relying on to get through this new era of my life. Yeah, that's it. Just taking that time, right? And it's growing pains. It's growing pains for you and it's growing pains for your spouse. And you guys are, you just kind of got to ebb and flow with that. And it's just a completely different world from what you're used to, but apparently it just happens. Like, <laughs> not that I know. <laughs> yeah. It's a new, it's totally weird. Not having your, I don't want to say my body's no longer mine, but I definitely share it with another little rascal that <laughs> I haven't, I've never had to. Right. And so, you know, I, I don't know there's nothing I would rather do. And I joke about being quite independent pre previous to York. And even in my marriage, I don't know, um, being quite self-sustained and having my own anonymity and, and really enjoying that and with my own career and, and doing my own thing. Now having a little tater tot who doesn't really care whether I um, <laughs> have had two hours of sleep, he needs to be changed and he needs to be no. fed. And, <laughs> and now, I mean, I've never seen someone go from zero to hundred so freaking fast. And uh, yeah, Just rely on you for everything. <laughs> yeah, relying on me for milk, and and I've never had anyone rely on me to that extent. I've had a dog and stuff who I love and and adore, but motherhood until I feel like you've gone through it, you don't really understand it. I know there's people in this world who can't have children, so you don't want to make this uh, a group of people like separate someone, but. Mm -hmm. But it really, when my my mom and your grandmas and your other wise women have told you about just how there's nothing you'll ever experience, it truly is, it's really, really true. And like we, we spoke about earlier, like until you're in this scenario, until you actually do become a parent, you don't really, really know. And you always have these ideas of how it's going to be like, oh, when I'm a mom, I will never. And then yeah. you just throw all that out the window. <laughs> Totally. I, I think I, I, I mean, I would have probably slapped myself too about some of the things I would have said. I've said to moms about like, you don't want to lose yourself, right? Well, the first two weeks you lose every fucking part of yourself to this child. <laughs> Physically, emotionally, mentally. Everything. Yeah. You just have an idea of, okay, it's going to have a, an expectation of a, a nursing's going to, you know, nursing's going to come because I'm, I'm in tune with my body yeah, and you're in control type A. <laughs> exactly. And I've done my research and I know well, how. exactly. Well, like surprise McMillan, you know, fucking nothing about <laughs> nursing regardless of how many books or YouTubes you've watched. It really doesn't just depend on you and if there's shame that crops up around, oh my gosh, you're not doing it correctly, or this isn't how it's supposed to look, sitting with it and, and not running from that feeling. Because I think it's just so real to 
want to be able to do this well and want to be able to do this the way you've seen other moms succeed in it. And if it doesn't look that way and just accept that, okay, this is how I'm mothering and this is how I'm going to keep my baby happy and healthy. All that matters is that he's cool with it and I'm cool with it and it doesn't align with anybody else's belief. It's, it's not up to them. Mm. It's yeah. Just one step at a time. Right. And Mm -hmm. just, yeah, just be sure that you are, you're taking that time to focus on making you the best version you can be. I do like the fact that, I mean, I, even last night before I had this podcast, I was thinking, you know, those moments when, when I don't have to be glued to him that I get a, a few moments of reprieve. It's so nice to just be able to sneak into the bathroom and run. I know I've said it was sometimes there's a place for superficial self care <laughs> um, because it feels so good to take care of myself. And even just the act of putting on like a, a mask or even mm-hmm. just putting on lotion right on mm-hmm. your body is, is telling your body and telling Um, yourself that, okay, you're important. I care about you, right? You're also a valued member in this home, not just York, especially when you can't run out to go get a full spa day or you Mm -hmm. can't do anything. Just those little moments where you can tell yourself, okay, you're worth taking care of. And just because your world's been turned upside down, you can still um, do these little acts that aren't big or monumentous, but they're just little moments where just to say, yeah, slow it down, right? Totally. And because I, and you know this, um, from being friends with me, like I love skincare and before I was pregnant, I love skincare and always enjoyed delving into skin and taking care of my skin. Um, never going to bed without washing my face and ever exactly like (laughs) no matter how (laughs) intoxicated or late it was, I just love skincare and pregnancy even has then was interesting because you can't use certain things and Mm -hmm. you have to be a little more careful. So the fact that I still take that time at night and in the morning, it does set my day and it does set my evening. And it's just those little moments with just myself that make me feel like, okay, I've taken on this whole new identity as a mom, but there's also some parts that haven't changed that are really beautiful just to come home to that I didn't lose in this whole motherhood piece that's new. That's a good note to end on. I agree. Yeah. Cheers to that. <laughs> That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. Telling us a little about your journey. And York has the most fierce and beautiful mama. And I'm really looking forward to watching you grow through this chapter. And it's just, it's it's a whole new world. And I'm excited to be part of it. Uh, thanks for having me. This is my first one. So <laughs> hopefully it was good. To many more. And that is it for our show today. Thank you for joining us. We will see you next time on the Seasonal Skin Collective podcast.